Today, I want to discuss one of the preeminent powers of the United States Congress under Article One, which sets up the legislative branch of government, the power of the purse. Our founding fathers had the foresight to put our government on a system of checks and balances so that no one branch would be all powerful. The Congress has powers reserved to it that the executive branch requires to run the government day to day. And then we have a judicial branch to review the actions of both the legislative and executive branches. When it comes to the money needed to run the government, the Constitution is very clear. No one in our government can spend any money that is not appropriated by the Congress. The Constitution states explicitly, quote, no money shall be drawn from the Treasury, but in consequence of an appropriation made by law, end quote. This is commonly referred to as Congress's power of the purse, and it's one of the most powerful tools to direct the priorities of the government in areas big and small. Congress exercises this power through the 12 annual appropriation bills, which are supposed to be enacted by October 1st of each calendar year. And one of the tensions that had existed in modern times is how much the Congress should adjust and deviate from the budget recommendations of the executive branch. I say modern times because for, before, before 1920, there was no budget submission from the executive branch. Congress did the appropriations from scratch and essentially made all the decisions on priorities. Today, there are marching armies in the executive branch that originate the budget before it's submitted to Congress. And the budget documents, including the budget justification materials, are so voluminous, it takes Mayflower moving vans to deliver them all to Capitol Hill. And the executive branch has also come to believe that Congress should not make any changes in their budget. Each agency has groups whose whole job it is to work with the Congress to gain support for the executive branch's priorities. Every cabinet and independent agency has a legislative shop, and in some large cabinet departments like DOD, there are dozens of legislative shops in each of their major sub-organizations. And these groups have been more and more successful. One reason is that Congress rarely gets its work done on time anymore. Congress has not met the deadline to get all 12 appropriation bills done by the beginning of the fiscal year, which is October 1, since fiscal year 1997. Since then, each fiscal year has started with what is called a continuing resolution. This has occurred the last 24 fiscal years and is most likely to happen again this October at the start of fiscal year 22. And some of these continuing resolutions have lasted a full year. The average time the executive went without a, their specific appropriation was in 137 days or four months. No way to run the government. That said, the Congress has every right to adjust the executive branch's priorities. One reason is that the executive branch does not always get everything right. Congress is not only the authority, but the obligation to make changes in the budget when that occurs. In the national security area, some of the most important programs were inserted by the Congress over the ejection of the Pentagon, such as the V-22 helicopter that has proven so successful since 9-11. Congress kept the A-10 close air support aircraft in the inventory that protected our ground troops in Iraq and Afghanistan. And the Congress pushed the Pentagon to buy and operate remotely piloted vehicles, which can do both surveillance and can be used against terrorists without putting U.S. troops in harm's way. 
The prerogatives of the Congress to put their mark on the budget is clear. And one of the ways they did this was through a process that came to be known as earmarks. These are budgetary items which are added by individual members that usually have impact in their own districts or state. Over time, earmarks came to get a bad name because some of them were wasteful. And in 2011, when the Republicans had control of both the House and the Senate, they banned earmarks as being too parochial. What this effectively did was give the executive more power to direct where the money went without input from the Congress, who has that constitutional role. When earmarks were permitted, they made up less than 1% of the overall budget. And they've been around since the beginning of our country. The very first appropriation bill President George Washington signed into law had an earmark for a specific project for a specific member of Congress, a stone lighthouse in Cape Henry, Virginia, to make travel at sea safer. So most of the earmarks over the years were for very legitimate products, projects that did not make it into the executive branch's list. There's a debate in Congress right now about whether or not to bring back earmarks. In my opinion, Congress should do this as long as there is a process to ensure all earmarks are visible and transparent so all can scrutinize them and know who added them and where the spending went. This will deter any frivolous spending. Congress also needs to get their work done on time, and it's really important for Congress to reclaim their constitutional role when it comes to the power of the purse. Thank you for listening.